Inter Podcast. There are numbers that in the history of football have a very different symbolic value than the others. Just to give a few examples, the goalkeeper is universally recognized as the number one. The center forward remains for all the number nine. Very different from the false nueve people are talking about too much in the last few years. Then we can talk about the number seven, the talented winger, and the number five, rocky defensive bastion. However, in this series of podcasts, we want to focus on the number par excellence, the one with a capital N, the most iconic number in the football world. Because, let's say it, what would football be without number 10? 10. 10. 10. Number 10. Number 10. 10. Number 10s. In football, the number 10 has a special role. He isn't necessarily tied down by tactics. Instead, he's free to inspire those around him. He is the creative spark, the genius, the magician. But the number 10 of our focus today bucks the trend. He was not in the Maradona or Platini mold, but he has still left his mark on the game, thanks to his power and strength. His name, Lothar Matthäus. A man simply born to win. The seeds of Lothar Matthäus' inter-adventure were planted two years before his arrival in Milan. It was the summer of 86. The then club president, Ernesto Pellegrini, was hungry for Scudetto success and turned to a man who knew what it took, Giovanni Trapattoni. A serial winner, Trapattoni had won six titles in ten years. No surprise then, he arrived confident that he could lead Inter to the Scudetto within three years. A prophecy which would come true in a period where Serie A was simply the place to be. In the 80s, Serie A was overflowing with stars. The list was endless. Maradona at Napoli, Banjo at Fiorentina, Mancini at Sampdoria while Berlusconi's Milan had Saki in the dugout. For their part, Inter were competitive, but in need of a special player to raise the bar. No one knew that more than Trapattoni, and along with an Inter favourite, Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, set about finding that star. In the summer of 87, and before leaving Milan to end his career in Switzerland, Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, a.k.a. Kalle, organized a dinner at his home. There were only two guests, his soon-to-be ex-coach Giovanni Trapattoni and a Bayern Munich player who, in his view, was perfect for Inter. That man was Lothar Matthäus, and he made a promise that night. I can't move this year, but next year I'll come to Inter. Matthäus was true to his word, and exactly 12 months on, made the move from Bayern Munich to Inter, ready to start a new adventure. He didn't know it at the time, but he was to become an Inter legend and make history at the club, wearing the coveted number 10 shirt. 
Lothar Matthäus was born on the 21st of March 1961 in Erlangen. He grew up in a middle-class family in South Bavaria, dreaming of becoming a professional footballer. He wanted to follow in the path of his idols, and the Germany side that won the 1974 World Cup against Holland, led by the great Johann Cruyff. When Lothar started out, he played as a striker, scoring a considerable number of goals, and he soon attracted the attention of Hans Novak, a one-time Germany international. In 1979, Novak offered Lothar a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, a trial with Borussia Mönchengladbach. Needless to say, the trial went well, and Matthäus was quickly snapped up before other major rivals could get there first. At Borussia Mönchengladbach, Lothar was played in midfield, despite playing through his youth career as a striker. It was felt that he would flourish and show his true potential in the middle of the park. A wise move. Lothar was regarded as one of the best talents of his generation and in his years with Borussia Mönchengladbach started to fulfill his potential, wearing the number six shirt. Still unaware of where his career would eventually take him, he faced Inter in the 1979 UEFA Cup. On that occasion, Matthäus marked the highly rated and supremely gifted Inter number 10, Evaristo Becalossi. Little did Lotta know that one day he would inherit that famous number 10 shirt. It wasn't long before Matthäus was capped by Germany and he was part of the squad that won the 1980 European Championships. Two years later, he lost out to Italy in the 1982 World Cup final and he came just short again four years later in 1986, losing out to Diego Maradona's Argentina. His performances with the national team earned Lothar a move to German giants Bayern Munich. There, he enjoyed a trophy-laden spell, winning three consecutive league titles, a German Cup and German Super Cup. But domestic bliss was not enough for this ambitious midfielder he started to dream of a new chapter and looked towards the most competitive league around, Serie A. In the summer of 1988, he got his wish, leaving his homeland for Milan to join one of the most glorious clubs in Italy. The day of his unveiling as an Inter player, Matthäus declared his true intention, help the club win the Scudetto. Lotta was not in Italy to lose. He didn't want second, third or fourth place. He wanted to win the big prize and was desperate to be top dog. He harbored Scudetto ambitions and would not settle for anything less. He was under no illusions, though. He would need to battle against top teams such as Saki's Milan and Maradona's Napoli in a fiercely competitive championship. But the pressure was on. Big-time players like Lotta began to thrive and put even more effort into their performance. As the saying goes, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. To accomplish his mission, Matthäus made sure the club also signed from Bayern Munich fellow countryman Andreas Bremer. The two-footed fullback, who could play on both the right and left flank, would prove fundamental to the team's success and one of the shrewdest signings in our club history. 
The German duo breathed new life and a new mentality into the team. For them, only one thing truly mattered – victory. They changed the mindset of all their teammates and boosted their self-belief. There were to be no more excuses. Winning was the only option for the Nerazzurri. What's more, that summer Inter would also sign Nicola Berti, Alessandro Bianchi and Ramon Diaz. With the squad bolstered by these new additions, Trapattoni started putting together the perfect team. All that was left was for Trapattoni to assign each player a number. The experienced tactician had a very special number indeed in mind for his marquee summer signing, Lothar Mateus. Trapattoni came to me and asked, which number do you want? I said, at Bayern, I used to wear number eight or number six. I would never have thought to wear the number 10 at Inter. But Trapattoni had a clear idea. But I was not like Platini, Zidane or Maradona. But Matteoli had the number six, Berti the number eight. So I asked which numbers were still free. Trapattoni said, the number 10. So I said again, I'm not Platini, I'm not Maradona, I'm a different type of player. But he insisted, you're not like Maradona or Platini, but you are the most important player for me. And for that reason, you need to play with the number 10. The number 10, even more so in that era, had a special aura. Those who wore that jersey would automatically become the star of the team. The main man, the player who had the license to bring a bit of genius, imagination and flair. Mateus didn't see himself as this type of player, but it was a unique opportunity. The chance to wear the number 10 at one of the biggest clubs in what was one of the most important leagues in the world. A chance that only comes around once. He knew he had to grasp it. Mateus quickly became the leader of the team with a clear idea in his mind. Help Inter to win as many matches as possible. Mateus's role in midfield allowed him to be able to control Inter's play and showcase his tactical intelligence, strength and power. One of his trademarks was receiving the ball deep in his own half and, thanks to his acceleration, drive upfield where he would then go on to score or create a chance for teammates. Inter's style that season reflected that of Mateus. Never give up and never give an inch to opponents. A hallmark of that Inter side was breaking the ice early on and then defending their lead. Lotta's fighting spirit and winning attitude was contagious. He ensured his teammates gave their absolute all and drilled in them the attitude that nothing but a victory would do. In his mind, he had to win every single encounter. This approach, shared by all, took Inter to the brink of glory. And on the 28th of May 1989, Napoli came to San Siro for a Scudetto decider. With seven minutes to play, the teams were level at 1-1. A draw appeared on the cards. Then, a fresh source of hope. A free kick was awarded to Inter just outside the Napoli penalty area. A promising position. Lothar stepped up to the mark and took a lengthy run-up. 
All eyes were on the German ace as the referee blew his whistle. Lothar ran towards the ball and hit it with all the power he could muster, drilling it low and hard. San Siro held its breath. The ball found its way through the wall and flew into the back of the net, sparking wild celebrations in the stands as San Siro erupted. Lothar's free kick proved the winner and clinched Inter's 13th league title. With four games to play, the Nerazzurri were crowned champions of Italy. The party inside San Siro could begin. During that Scudetto triumph, our number 10 became a source of inspiration. Lota was a leader, said Beppe Bergomi, captain of that Inter team. He used to say, tomorrow we will win, and we would win for real. But he wasn't loved by his teammates. And that quote reflected the situation. Lota was different, let's say, from Maradona. During his career, El Pibe de Oro was renowned for being helpful with his friends and teammates, sympathetic, friendly. Mateus was another type of person. He trained hard to reach the highest standard, but once training finished, he used to take his car and meet one of his girlfriends. In the evening, he rarely spoke with his teammates because he was often to be found on the phone, likely chatting to a girl he had just met. Trapattoni, to wipe out any doubts, started to regularly look at Lotta's mylometer to try to understand where he had been after training sessions. It took him just a couple of checks to find out that Mateus could travel from 1,000 to 1,500 kilometers a day, evidence that showed what the German was capable of. But once Lotta had clocked on to what his coach was doing, he had an idea bring a different car every day to training, which is exactly what he did. Trapattoni gave up, realizing the most important thing was getting the best out of Mateus in training and not away from it. This strategy actually paid off, and Mateus was regularly the best performer out on the pitch. He was the first to show up in the morning at the training ground and the last to leave in the evening. He was a tireless fighter who never gave up, both for Inter and Germany. The World Cup in 1990 was played in Italy, but for Lothar and other members of the German national team, it was like being at home. Most of Germany's matches were played at San Siro, except the semi-final and the final. In the round of 16, San Siro was sold out for an international classic. West Germany versus Holland. The Kurva Nord was awash with black and blue for the occasion to show its support for Inter's German trio of Matthäus, Breme and Klinsmann. The Kurva Sud was a sea of red and black to show its support of the Dutch trio of Van Basten, Rijkaard and Gullit of Milan. It was an encounter that Germany, led by Matthäus, would win as they took another step towards the final against Maradona's Argentina. July the 8th, the Stadio Olimpico in Rome. The stage was set as West Germany set about avenging the World Cup final loss four years prior to Argentina. 
All those gathered inside the ground wanted to see what Mateus and Maradona, the two captains and two number 10s, were capable of. However, the final didn't exactly live up to the billing and would go down as one of the cagiest and least exciting finals in history. In the end, an Andreas Bremer penalty a few minutes from time decided the contest, giving West Germany their third World Cup triumph. Matthias, as captain, would lift the biggest prize in the international game to the skies. Between 1988 and 1990, Lothar was at his peak. He won the Scudetto and the World Cup, cementing his reputation as one of the best players in the world by winning the Ballon d'Or in 1990. He won the highly sought-after accolade with 50 votes more than Toto Scilacci and 69 votes more than the third-placed Bremer. He was the first-ever Nerazzurri player in history to win the Ballon d'Or and never missed an opportunity to thank the club that gave him the opportunity to win it. As fate had it, Rome and the Stadio Olimpico was also the venue where Matthias and Inter would win the UEFA Cup in 1991, just one year after the World Cup triumph. Nevertheless, the path to glory was long and full of obstacles. Inter needed extra time to overcome Rapid Vienna and then a thrilling fight back to defeat Aston Villa. Versus the English club, Inter dug deep, overturning a 2-0 first-leg loss to win 3-0 at San Siro in one of the club's all-time great comebacks. Having built up momentum, Inter got the better of Partizan Belgrade with Mateus the shining light. Trailing 1-0, Mateus took the game by the scruff of the neck, saying, Give me the ball and I will score. He delivered on that promise. A remarkable journey ended with a two-legged final against Roma. In the first encounter, played at San Siro, Lothar opened the scoring from the penalty spot before Nicola Berti made it 2-0, which is how it ended. Firmly in the driving seat, Inter went to Rome for the return meeting, confident of finishing off the job. Inter may have lost 1-0, but it didn't take the shine off a magical night. Inter ran out 2-1 winners on aggregate and laid claim to their first UEFA Cup, not to mention the club's first conquest on the continental front in almost 30 years. It would be the last trophy for Mateus at Inter. Trapattoni left, bringing an end to an era, while Lothar would soon follow suit, and in 1992 he rejoined Bayern Munich, where he would stay until he was nearly 40 years old. In his last season in Munich, he came tantalizingly close to getting his hands on the only trophy he didn't win during his glorious career, the Champions League. At the No Camp in the 1999 final, Matthias was replaced 10 minutes from time with his side leading 1-0. The rest, as they say, is history. Matthias was powerless as United turned the game on its head, snatching victory with an injury-time winner. In that heartbreaking moment, Lotta understood that his time had come and decided to fly to New York to play the final games of his career. Come retirement, he had played in five World Cups and won countless silverware with Inter and Bayern Munich. 
He was a star both in Germany and Italy and one of the key players in one of Inter's most fondly remembered title-winning sides. What more could you ask for? Whenever you ask him about his time at Inter, Matthias's answer is always the same. Without a doubt, at Inter, I had the best years of my life. I lived the strongest emotions ever. Lothar Matthäus, the Inter legend, unique, a champion and a true leader. A different number 10, perhaps, from the others for his traits and style. But together with the other great number 10s, he will forever and always be a part of our proud and glorious history.